Hey, before we get into the message this morning, I just want to mention uh, a couple of things to you. Uh, next weekend, we have a missions weekend here at Connection Point. Uh, we do this three or four times a year, and this is our next one. So Sunday morning, we'll have a special missionary with us, and excited about the stones are coming, and uh, they are missionaries to our missionaries, if you will. They do member care for our missions, uh, our, all of our missionaries around the world. I don't know. I think they're the heads of all member care. So they're working in every region across our world. And so I'm excited to meet them. I've never met them before. Excited to have them with us. And uh, so I just want you to be aware. Uh, but I really want to challenge you uh, next Monday night to show up here for our global prayer event, uh, which is, some, it'll be my first time. So if you've never been to one, Come on and join me. We'll learn together. Uh, one of the great, th- I, love, I love the way that missions is set up and, and developed here at our church. And uh, I'm looking forward to this event on, the, on that Monday night. I know it's Monday night and, you know, it's Monday, right? It's Monday. It's Monday. But you can come. Is it 630, Dan? Is that right? 630. Uh, we'll hear from three or four of our missionaries, and then we'll be able to break out into some regional groups. So if you, man, if you have a passion for Africa or Asia or Eurasia or Latin America, wherever, whatever really, man, it just gets your heart moving for the kingdom, you'll be able to hear from missionaries and pray over some of the needs of those regions. And so I just want to challenge you, if you've never come uh, to a global prayer event or it's been a long time since you have, I, as your pastor, can I just ask, can I, can I twist your arm a little bit? Can I do that? I know Deanne, you'll let, Deanne will let me do it. She's been twisting your arm for years, but if I could, I just want to twist your arm a little bit. Would you join me? Uh, there's, there's not much better things we can do than spend some time praying for and pushing the kingdom of God around the world. We're going to do it here in Greater Lafayette too. Don't get me wrong. We're going to do that. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Uh, but this is a great opportunity for you. So I just want to invite you to come out uh, next Monday night. Not tomorrow. Everybody say, not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. So if you show up tomorrow, you certainly can pray, but you'll be on your own. Uh, So next Monday night, I think it's May the 2nd, uh, we'll be glad to be here uh, to pray. So I want to mention one more thing before we we get into the Word, uh, and that is about Kingdom Builders. How many of you know what Kingdom Builders is? You know what Kingdom Builders is? So it's about half of you know. So Kingdom Builders is the way that we fund mission projects around the world and the way that we fund local ministry here. So we do a lot of things here in Greater Lafayette. We do things for our building, uh, for our property and our facilities, and then we do things for missionaries around the world. So uh, it's a wonder. I love it with all my heart. I, I do. And I'm, I'm just getting familiar with it and what it will do. The power of it is unbelievably, the potential in it, I'd say. The potential power in it is unbelievable. I'm so excited uh, to work on this and begin to develop it and throw it out. I know, how many of you know the last two years have been a little weird? Did anybody notice that? Okay, last couple of years, been a little strange, you know, not quite normal. Uh, but So we're going to relaunch Kingdom Builders in November with some brand new projects and missional opportunities around the world uh, for 2023. However, for us to get to November, we have a little gap. Uh, we got about a six-month gap here, and we have a, over 80 missionaries serving around the world that we support on a monthly basis to the tune of about $7,000 a month uh, that we send all over the world. Uh, beyond that, there are other uh, mission things that are coming up this year that were already put into the, into the budget and the, and the plan. Uh, but we've had a few other things come up, some overages. We've, we're totally redoing our kids' kids' rooms. I mean, that's going to be awesome, right? We're so excited for that. Uh, but if you know anything about construction right now, it's a little bit touch and go, uh, and prices are fluctuating crazily. And, you know, I mean, drywall might be on a ship out in the harbor somewhere. We don't know, and we can't get it, right? So it's, we've had a few cost overruns, and that's caused our our kingdom builders, what we'd planned to do to just kind of take a hit uh, this year. So it's kind of at zero. <laughs> like, we have nothing in kingdom builders right now, but we have 80 missionaries next month who need support. And I don't want to not send them their support, right? How many of you would love it if your boss said, I'm just not going to pay you this month? That's the danger. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt you into that. I'm just saying to you, we've got about an $85,000 gap in our kingdom builders we need to make up between May and November. So, what I, so here, here's the projects that we have. We've got our missionary support, again, about 7000 a month. We've got, uh, I don't how many are going to Morocco? 
11 of our young adults and youth going to Morocco for the senior trip in uh, June. And uh, we need about $21,000 to cover all those expenses. We've got uh, a couple, uh, Pastor Mark mentioned Next Generation uh, Camp coming up. We want to send kids to camp this year. I don't know when the last time was we sent a bunch of kids to camp, but we'd love to send kids to camp, and we'd like to help mom and dad fund that. How many of you know for me to send my kids to camp, it's going to be a little bit pricey? Yeah. Uh, but some of us, you know, just one or two kids going to camp can be, can be cost prohibitive. So, I, look, I was filled with the Holy Spirit at camp uh, at, our, at Lake Placid. I had experiences with God there that have shaped and formed my life today. And I, I know that when kids and youth go to camp and experience God there, they do it in a different kind of way, and it's just powerful for them. In fact, camp is the main place where people are, are saved, youth and kids are saved, called to the ministry, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Those three things primarily happen at camp. Last summer, 170 kids were called to the ministry. 170 kids. Here's why that's important. We have cities right now in Indiana, 600 cities that don't have an Assemblies of God church. Now, we're not the only denomination out there. I get it. We have 600 cities. We have uh, eight counties, including one just north of us called Benton County, that has no Assemblies of God church in the entire county. I think we should do something about that. I think we should plant a church in Fowler, Indiana. I think this church should plant a church in Fowler, Indiana. And I will say to you in the next two years, maybe three, <laughs> we'll plant a church in Fowler, Indiana. And we may, we may plant churches in other nations of the world. But I believe that our kids will be called to ministry and be filled with the Holy Spirit to be sent out to do the work of the kingdom. However, whatever their call is, I think kids will be called to businesses. I think kids will be called to be teachers. I think all kinds of things. And we'll support and invest in all of them. So I want us to, in our kingdom builders for the next few months, put in uh, a portion to send kids to camp so that they can experience that and have those formational moments with God. So that's in there. And then there's a couple of, uh, a couple of things, loose end things we want to tie up around the building. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to do work very hard the next six months to make up that $85,000 gap. Okay. So, uh, May 15th, May 15th, that's four Sundays from now, three Sundays from now. Hey, Isaac, will you bring me my water, please? It's nice to have helpers. Thanks, buddy. You just got a glimpse of my life. Pray for me. Uh, May the 15th, uh, we're going to receive a special kind of a miracle offering. And I just want to challenge you. Here's the deal. I don't, I, I'm not going to coerce you to give to this, these projects. I'm going to ask you to do like what Jesus tells us to do, what the New Testament says. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what he would want you to do. And if the Holy Spirit says, hey, I just want you to give five bucks, then give five bucks. If he says, I want you to give 5,000, I want you to give 5,000. I just want you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Amen? How many of you can live with that? Right? So I want to challenge you the next few, few weeks. Would you pray and just ask the Lord, talk with your spouse, talk with your family, involve your kids in this. Involve your teenagers in this, and just begin to ask the Holy Spirit, what, how are we supposed to participate in making up that gap that we need to make up before November? So if you'll do that with me, man, I would, I would so appreciate that. We're going to do the miracle offering on May 15th, uh, and then we will give through November. So you might say, man, I'm going to give, you know, $3,000 between now and November, but I can only give, you know, 500 in May, and then I'm going to give over the month. So that's okay. You can do it that way, however you want to do it. Uh, does that make sense? You don't have to bring it all May 15th. I mean, go right ahead and bring it all because we'll just fund it. But if you can't do that or you need to come in more monthly or whatever, that's totally good. Uh, I just want to ask you to ask the Lord. So Jesus, would you just help us? There's this gap here uh, with our missionaries and, and some of the things that we want to do, our Morocco trip, God, our kids going to camp. You know, uh, God, I believe these are things you want us to tackle. And so Lord, I just pray simply that you would, number one, provide it all. However you want to provide it, would you provide it all? Number two, would you speak to every family and every, every person who calls this church their home, and would you speak to them how they may participate, God, what, what you would have them do. Stretch our faith, God, challenge us in it, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear very clearly what you're saying and what you have for us in Jesus' name. We love you, God. We're thankful for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Chloe, you can start my clock. Chloe times me every Sunday. She really does. 
She said, Dad, your sermon, last week, Dad, your sermon was 27 minutes. I said, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Hey, turn your Bible, if you would, uh, two places, Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, and if you'll hold that place and then move over in, with an, another finger <laughs> to Mark chapter 12, Matthew 28 and Mark chapter 12. Uh, one of the things that I love about modern technology is uh, this, this, this website called YouTube. Does anybody enjoy YouTube? So here's what I like about, there's a lot of goofy, uh, nonsensical stuff on YouTube, but here's some good things you can do. And that I have done, I've learned how to wire my house. I've learned how to build trusses for a shed. I've watched YouTube on how to set fence posts. I mean, you can learn all kinds of stuff on YouTube, right? Now be careful with two things. Be careful about learning theology on YouTube. And be careful about stock tips on YouTube. I'll just tell you. Those two things are treacherous, but I have enjoyed the how-to section because there's a lot of things I don't know how to do, and I didn't really want to pay somebody to do it, so for free, I can watch YouTube how to build something or how to, do, how to, how to grow something or how to, my, my wife watches gardeners, and you know, we watch, we watch this one video and watch this lady plant like 400 bulbs. Do you know after watching someone dig three holes and put bulbs in it, you pretty much have the idea. But the video's like 20 minutes long. She gets done, he's like, there you go, 300 bulbs. And I'm like, thank you very much. That was so insightful for me. My wife adored it, but I did it for you, babe. Did it for you. <laughs> that was funny. It just came right out of my head. But for most people, uh, while we can learn to do anything, you know, lots of things, you know, on YouTube and certainly other ways uh, you can learn uh, I have learned that the spiritual life, learning how to love God, learning how to move towards God in those things, don't, don't come quite as naturally. It's a little more difficult to learn. Some people, they meet Jesus, and it's like, woo, they're just like right there. You know, it's easy for them. Other people, it's a real struggle. They can't get out of their own head. Have you ever met someone who was trying to know God, trying to go, through the, go to the Lord, but they couldn't get out of their own way? You ever met somebody like that? Yeah, some of you are like that. You, you struggle to get out of your own way and let the Holy Spirit work in your life. And so I just have found that the how-to of our spiritual life isn't quite as easy. You, you know, we, we aren't automatically, and I said this a couple weeks ago, we, we aren't automatically in love with Jesus when we, when we get saved. We don't, we don't get up from the altar. We had five people saved last week. And I mean like saved and went, you know, signed up to help to get discipled and a couple of them got baptized. That's awesome. That's awesome. But how many of you know they didn't finish that prayer and all of a sudden they just, by osmosis, knew exactly how to love God? Just not, it just doesn't happen like that in our life. Usually we, we try to pick it up as we go through, you know, our churches and, and maybe somebody helps us understand that theology, hopefully not YouTube. Uh, and usually, you know, we, we just kind of pick it up and we never really pay attention or are intentional about developing our love for God. How do we love God? How do we, how do we express that love for God? So I think in the kingdom of God, there are two great do's. And this is really my philosophy of ministry, if you want to know, just kind of the way that I approach the kingdom. And the first one's in Matthew 28, and many of you will be able to quote this right now. Verse 18, Jesus says, Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, what? Sit in your church chair. No, no, no. Go into all the world. And by the way, all the world is like, your neighborhood, and Greater Lafayette, and Tippecanoe County, and probably Benton County, and even Marion County. I mean, like, go is everywhere, right? It is also Poland, and Africa, and South America. It's all, the, it's all of that. And so he says, go into all the world and make disciples. So you see the two parts? Go. And I, I kind of like how it says it at the end, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Why is that important? Because if we don't teach them what Jesus taught, we teach them what we think. And I don't know about you, but your thinking is often flawed. Mine is, right? But when I teach what Jesus taught, if I stick to that, I can't mess it up. 
I can't mess it up. So it's important that we say, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So that's the great commission, right? We know that is the great commission. Well, there's another one, and it's found in Mark chapter 12, and Jesus is asked about what's the, what's the most important commandment. You know, he tries to get trapped by this guy, and he's trying to be smart, a smart aleck, and he's like, what's the most important thing in the Bible, God? If you, wanna, if you think you're God, then what's the most important thing? And Jesus says, well, that's pretty easy. The most important thing is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment. Do you see the two parts? Love the Lord your God and love other people. So you've got the great commission, go into all the world and teach them to obey, and you have the great commandment, love God and love other people. How many of you noticed it's kind of hard to love other people? How many of you noticed sometimes it's hard to love God? So the next several weeks, I want to unpack these two commandments for us because I think that it's the baseline. It's, for me, it's the foundation of everything that I do, everything I want to do, and everything I want this church to do. Here's the thing. I think if we do the Great Commission and we do the Great Commandment in every ministry and everything we do and everywhere we go and everything we talk about and every mission statement we have and every vision statement we have and every time we do Kingdom Builders and every prayer time and everything that we do, if everything we do is attached to either the Great Commandment or the Great Commission, we cannot mess this up. We can't mess it up. We know we're in the will of God if we're loving him, loving others, and going and making disciples. We know we can't miss the will of God if we do that. And also, we don't get distracted by nonsense. We don't get on high horses. We don't uh, get on theological trips. We don't you know, pick, pick a hill to die on. Those are the hills we're going to die on. We're going to love God. We're going to love people. We're going to go, and we're going to make disciples. And so today, I just want to start with this idea of loving God. How do we love God? How do we figure this thing out? Well, the Lord kind of sets us up for it here in this verse in Mark chapter 12. He says, he says how do we love God? With all your heart. Everybody say, heart. Now, this doesn't mean or refer to the physical heart that's in your body. That's not the heart that we should love God with. He's talking about this, how we experience him, how we sense him, how we feel him. Do we, do we connect to God closely or at a distance? And God is saying, if you love me with all your heart, then you will do everything you can to move towards me with your heart. With your, uh, for a Jewish person, the heart was the place of your emotion, the place of your feeling, you know, what, what you sensed and what you felt. And so, look, I've been mad at God before. That's in my heart. Anybody ever been mad at God? That was in your heart. Here's what I've learned about people. When God, when they're disappointed, when they feel like God has let them down, when they don't understand what God is doing, depending on their heart, they either move towards him or they move away from him. Anybody ever notice that? And so the Lord, that's why he starts with our heart. And if you will, it's connected to the first commandment in uh, Exodus chapter 20, where the Bible tells us, have no other gods before me. Now, when I was a teenager, my youth pastors used to preach it this way. Make sure nothing sits on the throne of your heart except God. Now, in my adult life, I've let some other things sit on the throne of my heart. Have you? Have you ever misplaced Who's in charge in here? Yeah, I have. I mean, that's because we're not head humans, right? We make mistakes and we do things. And so Jesus is just saying to us, guys, we've got to start with the heart. Because if we don't love him with everything that's in here, we can't even move on to the other three things. We've got to start with our heart. And so he says, love me with all your heart. Then he says, uh, these aren't even my points. I just want you to know. I'm just, we're still in the introduction. <laughs> then he says, that was funny too. He says, Love me with all your soul, with all your, with all your soul. Well, your soul is, uh, is that part of you that lives forever. It's the soul that is, that is, that is going to live forever with God. Of course, we get a new, a new body of some kind. We don't quite understand all that stuff. That's a different sermon. We won't even get into it. But it's really how we intrinsically respond to God. Here's what I mean. You can come to church, and you can, when I say, come on, let's lift our hands and worship the Lord, man, you can be all in, and you're lifting and worshiping God, and you can look like 
everything's good. But your soul, what did Jesus say to the, uh, to the Pharisees? Outwardly, you clean the coffin. Everything, everything looks great. You're, it's beautiful. You've got this all figured out. But inwardly in your soul, you're full of wickedness. Ooh. I mean, that's something to me. It's that connection to the second commandment that we worship him only and we don't have any idols. What's an idol? Here's the way I define an idol. It's anything in your life that if God required you to give it back, you wouldn't. That's an idol. Can I tell you the most prominent idol today in the Western church? It's our children. I'm not going to preach on that right now. I'm just going to say, our children, it's the thing that if God asks it, asks it of us, we struggle the most to give. I was doing great until my daughter decides she wants to go to Morocco. And then I'm like, I think it'd be awesome if you go to Morocco. But inside, I'm like, I don't want you to go to Morocco. I don't know any Moroccans. I'm going to trust those people. You know what I mean? And then she says, Dad, she's walking down this hallway. Anybody, ever, anybody not walk down this hallway? Go walk down this hallway before May 15th and God will mess you up. All these language groups and people groups, and she, I'm sorry, Chloe, you're in the sermon now, but she's walking down the hallway. This is last Sunday and, or two Sundays ago. She's walking down the hallway, and she calls me because I spent the night. She calls me, Dad, I'm having an existential crisis. Okay? That's a big word. <laughs> she just changed her major. She's going to go to Purdue. Don't clap. She's going to go to Purdue. We get it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, she, uh, she just, had just changed her major to uh, elementary ed. Well, walking down this hallway, God just began to just grip her heart because she loves language. She had been a linguistics major. And she walked down the hallway and just felt the Holy Spirit begin to say to her, you know, you could, you could do something about all these people groups. You could, you could do something about it. And she calls me with this crisis like, okay, Dad, I think I'm supposed to go to Morocco and I think I'm supposed to change my major again. And I said, okay. I'm, I'm with you, but I know the day that God calls her or one of my other children to a place that I've not been and that I'm unsure about, and I do believe that will happen. Will I release them? That's what loving God with our soul is about. It's about having no idols. It's about not letting things get in the way. It's where our trust in him and our hope in him and our faith in him resides is in our soul. Third thing he says is to love him with all of our mind. It's that place of our will. We're up here in our brain where we reason things out. And I want to use this word where we choose to submit and surrender to his will. And some people have a great, greatly difficult time with this. And, you know, we have some help in Scripture. Uh, I think of Romans chapter 12. Renew your mind in the things of God. Set your mind on things that are above is in another place. Uh, we have these opportunities to worship God or love God with our mind. And what is he saying? He's saying, look, sometimes you can't figure it all out, guys. Sometimes you can't reason out God. Like it really is a walk of faith and you have to choose to love him with your mind and with your understanding and the things you don't understand. That's what loving him with our mind. I think it's connected to the third commandment in Exodus 20 where we honor his name. It's his name that's above all names. And I think of the thing that, uh, that is written in, in one of the, I think it's in a psalm or a, or a proverb. He says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Right? His name is above all those things, and we trust his name. We believe in his name. I think it's where our motivation comes from, where we are truly deciding if we're going to love God for the right reasons in the right place. It's not so you can get what you want from God. We love him because he's worthy of love. And then he says one last thing. We love him with our strength. You know, our heart, our soul, our mind, and now our strength, what we choose to do with our daily life, how we live our life every single day. Are we living every day for the Lord? Are we walking with God? Are we choosing to do the things that God has for us? I think it's connected to that fourth commandment, to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's this idea that our day does not belong to us. Can I say your Monday does not belong to you? 
belongs to him. He doesn't just get Sunday, he gets every day. And when we love him with our strength, it means that every day before we, uh, our feet hit the floor, we're saying to God, Lord, I give you my day. I give you all that I'm going to do, everywhere I'm going to go, and everywhere that I'm gonna, everything I'm going to say. And I, I can just tell you in our world, it would be awesome if more of us would give him what we're going to say. I'm going to give you my time and my talent and my treasure. I'm going to give you my abilities and my giftedness. And I just want you to know that is not a once and done opportunity. It is a daily death. Didn't Paul say, I beat my body into submission daily so I can serve the Lord? That's loving him with our strength. That's loving him with our strength. Notice in that list of four things, there's really no room for partials. There's no partly. You only have to love him a little bit with your heart. Here's what I've learned is that most of us do that, though. We, we, we live in some partial place of loving God. So we love him with our emotions. We come and we worship and we feel the presence of God and we, we really do love him. But when it comes to the things that we do or how we spend our money or where we go or the things we write on social media, we do what we want to do. It's quiet in here. We love him with our heart because it's easy to feel the things for God. But when it comes to actually living that in our strength, we struggle. Or maybe you love him with your strength and man, you're just doing all the stuff and you're showing up at all the prayer times and you're, you know, you're serving and you're doing all these things and, uh, but your heart is far from him. Isn't that the religious of the Jews? You serve me and you do this and you, you pay tithe and you, you, know, you go through all these spiritual motions because you've got it down to a science. But when the reality is Jesus, is it, doesn't that happen on the day of judgment? Lord, Lord, we cast out demons and we preach in your name and we, we prophesied in your name. These are spiritual people. But Jesus says, I never knew you. Your heart was far from me. So we live in some partial place of love in some of these four things instead of really living and getting down to the point where every one of those things, every single day, we're choosing to love him with our heart and our soul and our strength and our mind. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying that's what he wants. Can I say it this way too? He doesn't want it in some obligatory way. And in fact, I, I used to argue with God about this because I'd always feel like, man, I got, I've got to do this and I have to go do this. And you know what the Lord wants? He wants us to love him so freely and without encumbrance that we want to and choose to do those things with joy. Right? Like, you don't have to pay your tithe. It's a joy to give to the Lord. You don't have to sit with the toddlers it's a joy to sit with the toddlers. You don't have to work with junior hires. That may be worse than toddlers. Like, it's a joy, you know? You don't have to sing on the worst. I mean, it's, it's just he wants us to choose those joys. When we love him with those four things, and, we, and look, it's a thing we work on. It's not like a, you know, you don't get up from the altar and have it all figured out. It, it's a thing we work on, but when we get there, our love for God and our service to God and all the things that we do kind of fall into place in a really beautiful, beautiful way. So I just want to give you three things, three things to develop your love for God, three things to develop your love for God. First one is this, develop a listening ear and a teachable spirit. In my humble life, the listening ear part has been easy. The teachable spirit part has not. You know why? Because we think we know everything. Do we not? We're not going to take a poll. How many of you wives would say your husband thinks he knows everything? Don't lift your hand. I don't want to cause marital conflict. Husbands might say the same thing. Learning how to listen would be an awesome skill to add in our society right now. But listening to God is altogether different. God speaks to us through his word. You cannot learn his voice. Listen to me. You cannot learn his voice 
if you're not in his word. His word, the Bible, when I say his word, I'm talking about the Bible, is the number one place he reveals himself to us. And you cannot train your ear. Remember what it says in the first three chapters of Revelation as Jesus is speaking to the churches, and he says, whoever's got an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church, right? Here's what that says to me. The Spirit of the Lord is always speaking always speaking. There's never, I know sometimes it feels like he's silent, but he's actually never silent. He is speaking even right in this moment. He's whispering to your spirit, his spirit to your spirit. How do you know his voice? How do you discern which of those voices is God's voice? Well, through his word. You're going to learn his voice through his word. He also, though, speaks through his people. He speaks through spiritual authorities and spiritual leaders in our life, pastors and teachers and apostles in the church today. He speaks to us. He speaks loudly in moments of worship and prayer as we listen for him. Here's the key. Here's the key. Tuning out all the static. So I'd say it this way, there's a whole lot of other voices in the world today speaking to you, aren't there? Last night I went to Tim Hawkins. He was pretty funny, a little bit obnoxious. And he did a, a little bit, a funny bit about jingles. He taught, and so he would say a jingle and then the crowd would say it back, right? And how many of you know that that works? I'm saying that to say this to you, there are so many voices out there that are speaking those kinds of things to you into your life. Not all of them are evil. Some of them are just there. But sometimes it's hard to discern between those voices and the voice of God. You have to tune out the static and tune in to the word of God so he can speak to you. Then the second part of that is becoming teachable. It's, it's the ability to learn and to grow, to realize that you haven't figured it all out yet. Can I say that to you? You haven't figured it all out yet, neither have I. We are still processing and learning in the things of God. It's why the Bible tells us to test things. Like somebody speaks into your life, you don't just take that as gospel, you ask the Holy Spirit, was that you? Is that something you're saying to me or was that just a static and I need to tune it out? You have to hear the Lord. The fact is you'll never understand all the ways of God. You'll never figure him all the way out. No one will. You just have to learn to listen and then let your spirit be teachable to the Lord. I used to say, I will take someone as a staff person who knows how to listen to God and is teachable any day of the week over somebody who's skilled. Because skills can be learned. Teachability is pretty hard to develop. So if you're not very teachable, if you're not a very teachable person, and here's how you know, ask your, your parents, ask your friends, ask the people who love you the most. Do you think that I'm teachable? And ask the Lord to, tell, to have them tell you the truth. Are you very teachable? You can learn. Listen to God. Number two, not only do you need to develop a habit or an ability to listen and be teachable, but number two, develop a habit of prayer together. Prayer together, corporate prayer. Did you know that God is both an individual God and he's still a corporate God? Did you know that? Did you know that things happen in the spiritual and in the kingdom of God that only happen when we gather in the same place for him to do work? Did you know there are things that break when we gather together that may not break on their own? or when we're by ourselves. I'm not saying your individual prayers don't matter because they absolutely do matter. But I'm saying when we corporately gather and call on the Lord together in prayer, something in the supernatural changes. I don't understand it. I don't know why God does that, but you can go all the way back to the very beginning of Israel and you can see the hand of God move on the people in different ways when they gather in the same place together. That was my fault. Something powerful happens. I think of Acts chapter 12, two places in Acts. Acts chapter 12, Peter is in prison and he's sitting there, but the church, the Bible says, but the church, there's a phrase in chapter 12, but the church prayed. And the miracle happened, right? The chains were, fell off, the door was open, and Peter waltzed out of prison. 
And what's funny is he comes to the house where the believers are gathered and he knocks on the door and this young girl named Rhoda comes to the door and she's like, who's there? Because you know, it's kind of secret. Who's there? And she hears Peter's voice and she gets so excited that she forgets to open the door and let him in. She's like, God answered our prayer. She runs back and tells everybody and they're like, well, where is he? Oh, he's at the door. (laughs) Wouldn't it be awesome if God answered miraculous prayers so much that we forgot to let him in? That'd be amazing. I think of Acts, my point is they were in the same place praying together, calling on God, and that's when the chains fell off. Another time in Acts chapter two, when you know when they gathered together that the power of God came in, and that was the first time the baptism in the Holy Spirit happened, and people were empowered to do the work of the kingdom outside of just Jerusalem. All in corporate prayer. Corporate prayer releases the kingdom of God. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here's why that's important. Not just kingdom come and just will be done, but his kingdom come. Father, what do you want in this church? It aligns our hearts in unity for the things that God does want to do. It destroys factions and silos and giving any place for the work of the enemy. In fact, I'll use the, the, the analogy I said a moment ago. It pushes back darkness so that the church has a place to work. We push back darkness when we gather together. It fuels like gasoline every ministry and everything that this church does. It fuels those things and even our personal lives. Corporate opportunities and corporate prayer make all the difference. So right now, here are the, cha- here are the opportunities you have Sunday morning at 845 in the prayer room right through there. Uh, as I already mentioned, the global prayer event is happening. And then next Friday is uh, the first Friday prayer. Those are the, that, for, as far as I know, those are the three prayer events. I'm just telling you now, I'm working on this. Because here's what I, I know. We don't have enough prayer happening in this church to push back darkness and advance the kingdom of God the way that God has planned for us to do. And I can tell you how much we need. You want to know? 75 hours a week. We need seven. (laughs) Deanne's like, come on, let's do it. Deanne's going to take 40. No. (laughs) We need about 75 hours of prayer a week. How do we get that? Well, if 15 people gather, or let let me make math easy. If 20 people gather for a half an hour, how many hours is that? 10. Try again. Junior high, woo! 20 people pray for a half an hour, that's 10 hours of prayer. 100 people pray for an hour, that's 100 hours of prayer, right? 30 people pray for three hours, that's 90 hours of prayer. We need 75 hours of prayer a week. And I'll just tell you, I won't explain it now, but I didn't make that number up, it's a real number. It will fuel the church to move to the next level. So we need more corporate prayer. I want to ask you, if you join me in working towards corporate prayer, if you would join me in pushing back darkness, if you would join me in corporately calling on the word of the Lord and the name of the Lord together so his kingdom can come to greater Lafayette. If we really care about it, we'll start with prayer, not with ministry. Ministry should come out of prayer. Will you join me? Will you join me? Third thing. And I already touched on this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but it's this. Develop your devotional life. Develop your devotional life. Your abiding time is what we've called it. And I'm going to say to you this. This is the main sustenance. This is the main method for you to learn how to love God with all your heart, soul. Why? Because it's in the quiet time. It's in the secret place. Psalm 91.1, it's in the secret place where he deals with you. It's in the secret place where he forges his will and his plan for your life. Here's what we tend to do. We tend to exchange spiritual activity of doing for God for being with God. We don't have time to be with God because we're so busy doing all the things for God. I want to challenge you, and I challenge myself even, to not allow that to be the truth for people at Connection Point Church. Let's be people who know how to be with God first, and all of our doing will flow out of our being with God. So your devotional life, I appreciated. We have a Connection Point uh, Church Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, you need to find it and be in it. 
and I appreciate it after I mentioned devotional life a couple of weeks ago that, uh, is his name Tim? I think it's Tim, but they're like in, on vacation, had written every day the six different elements of devotional life, which was so powerful and good and a great reminder. But here they are. If you're going to do devotional, you're going to read the Word of God. Remember, we've got to start with the Word of God. You've got to start, uh, you've got to worship God. You've got to pray. You've got to have some journaling moments where you respond to the Lord. You've got to have some supplemental reading. You've got to have some waiting and listening and reflection, silence time. So here's what we're going to do. It's going to be awkward for some of you. I'm going to have devotions right here on the stage. <laughs> so if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. This is not the only method. There are many different methods of devotions, but here's what I learned. I learned that people want to do devotions, but they often don't know how to do devotions. So I'm just going to demonstrate how to do devotions for you. Is that good? <laughs> okay. If you feel awkward, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll be over in like five minutes. So here's what I would do. Jesus, I just welcome you into this moment. I humble myself. I clear my mind and my heart and my spirit of all the things that might get in the way of me connecting to you right now. I just want to hear your voice. And I worship you that you are amazing to me. That you are faithful. That your love covers all my sin. Thank you that you have a great plan for my life. When I receive it, God, I humble myself I don't want to do anything that's out of your will. And then I read some scripture, and I would, for simplicity, I pick this passage behind me. Jesus' disciples came and said, Teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. Jesus said, okay, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Lord, I just acknowledge that your name is holy. I worship you that you're a holy God and a righteous God, and I have no righteousness in me apart from you. So, Lord, I pray that you would make me holy like you are holy. I don't want there to be enmity between you and I. I don't want anything to get in the way. I don't want it to get in the way of how I treat my wife and my kids. I, I, I want to be holy. I don't want sin to creep in. I don't, I don't want to even give a crack for the devil to come and destroy what you're trying to do. So God, as you are holy, please make me holy. Holy is your name. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Jesus, let me not build my kingdom. Oh, man, my ambition gets the better of me sometime, and I get excited, and I push out there and try to make something happen. Lord, let me just rest in your kingdom and rest in your plan. I yield to your will. I don't want to go and make a mistake, get out ahead of you. So help me to rest. Help me to wait. I thank you that your plan is perfect, that your will is dynamic, that your purpose is for me true and right. So help me, God, to stay in your will. Your kingdom come, your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. Provide, Lord, for us. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, I pray that you'd provide. You've always been so faithful. You've always come through. So, Lord, help me, God, to trust you, to not uh, run out there and think I've got to do it myself, but, Lord, let me just trust you to provide for my family financially and emotionally and spiritually, God. Help my marriage to be strengthened, God, I pray. Help my life, Lord, to just be aligned with you as Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. Provide everything that I need according to your riches and glory. And not just financially, God, but in all the other things as well. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for your mercy in my life. 
Lord, help me to forgive those people that have wounded me. Lord, I forgive John. I forgive that pain that he caused and the betrayal, that hurt. Lord, I forgive him again. Forgive him again. Help it to be real. I want to live a life of forgiveness. So I forgive today. God, would you forgive me? Forgive me of all my transgressions and all my sins and all my brokenness. Don't lead me into temptation, God, but deliver, deliver me from evil. Let me walk in holiness and purity, God. Let me keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Can I honor you with my life? I worship you today, God, and I bless your name, and I thank you that you've got it all figured out for your glory. Sometimes I'll pray Proverbs chapter 3 or Psalm 23 or any other place. Can you see how you can take the Scripture and just pray your way through it? So those of you that don't know, don't really, you've never really developed a habit of devotion, those of you that have a solid habit, don't think you've got to do it like me. Do whatever works for you. But if you've never done devotions in your life, you've never really knuckled down. Kids, teenagers, if you've never really gotten into that habit, do it just like that. Take a scripture. Take, just take that one for the next month. And every day, just pray your way through it. And let the Holy Spirit speak something to you about that area of your life. And he'll do it. At the end, I'm not going to do it now, but at the end, I'm going to sit in silence before the Lord, which is very awkward if you're not used to silence. Sit and give him a chance to, to speak to your heart and to your life. You'll be amazed how quickly he'll begin to talk to you. You know why? Because he's been trying to talk to you for years. He's been trying to initiate into your heart and into your life for years. And sometimes you've probably heard him here and there, but a lot of times it gets drowned out by the other noise of life. But if you'll discipline yourself to hear his voice, he'll speak to you. He'll speak to you. What happens when we do these things with the Lord? The worship team is coming. Well, transformation begins. You begin to have the mind of Christ. You begin to hear his voice and have direction. You begin to find boldness in your faith. You're not weak anymore, but strong. You'll contribute to the powerful things that God begins to do in this church. Your children will have a different mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or aunt or uncle. <laughs> You'll be a different kind of sibling to your siblings. You'll begin to push back darkness of the enemy's hold that he's had in your life and all those frustrating things where the enemy has wreaked havoc in your life will begin to be points of victory where you put a flag on the ground and said, this is God's now. You'll grow in your knowledge and understanding of God. You'll become strong to resist temptation and depression, to heal from brokenness and generational strongholds. These are just a few of the things that God begins to do as you dig in deep to a life of devotion to him. I don't want you to do it because you feel guilt. I don't want you to do it because you're afraid he'll be disappointed in you or somebody else will be disappointed in you. I don't want you to do it because you build up unrealistic expectations in your heart. I want you to do it because it's part of learning how to love him with all your heart and soul and strength and mind and to push yourself and your spirit and your mind towards God. Why? Because he loves you so much. Romans 5.8, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8, God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, he died. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, I understand that idea that God loves me, but I've never really responded to that, and I, I need to give my heart to the Lord. I need to come into that place of his love. I need to surrender his love. 
I need to give him myself. Or maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, loving God for me has been pretty shallow. It's been a list of, uh, of boxes that I check or some, 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 some habits that I've built in my life. But if I'm honest with myself, there's no real life there and I need that to change. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if one of those two things are you, I need fresh life in my walk with God, or man, I just need to come to God. Would you slip your hand up all over the room? I just want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Others, man, I need fresh life in my walk with Jesus. I know that I do, or I need to come to Christ today. Thank you. Others, thank you. Thank you. Several hands all over the room. Could I ask you to stand with me all over the room? Here's what I know. Or here's what I want to ask you. Would you commit? Would you commit this month, the month of May coming up? Would you commit this month to diving deeper into your devotional life, into your loving God, into your prayer life, into that walk with Him? Would you commit and say, Pastor, I'm with you. I want to go deeper in the things of God than I've ever gone before. Would you do that this, tonight? Would you commit to that? I want you to lift your hands and I want to pray for you. God, would you help us today? Lord, as we work on going deeper in our walk with you, as we work on giving our life fully to the kingdom of God, loving you with all of our heart and our soul and our strength and our mind, God, would you help us today? As we commit to one month, God, just one month, to diving deeper into our heart, into that connection with you. Would you walk with us? Would you make it alive? Would you make it meaningful? Would you breathe afresh and anew into every soul, I pray? God, do it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Here's your goal. Five days a week, 15 minutes a day. Just spend time with God. Worship, pray, read the scriptures, pray the scriptures. Where should I read? I don't care. All scripture is God-breathed, right? Even Deuteronomy. Like, that's hard for me sometimes. Like, Lord, you know how this is, right? But all scripture is God-breathed. So I don't care what you read. I don't care if you worship to Elevation or Hillsong or uh, Maverick City. Come on, Bray. That's mine. Whatever it is, would you press in five days a week, 15 minutes a day? I believe you can do it. I believe I can do it. I believe it can be something. And I believe what will happen is transformation. Transformation will happen. Also, join me for a prayer event in May. Join me on Sunday mornings in there. Join me for the global prayer event. Join me for First Friday prayer. Join me for something. One prayer event in May as we gather together and call on the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen. We're going to sing one quick song. We're going to go. We're late. The kids are going to be so mad. My humblest apologies. I love you so much. I pray God's blessing on you. I can't wait to join and gather together again. Amen? Amen.